guest of Late Night Whenever. Please give it up for Michelle Buteau. My black doctor, Phil, Mr. Rob Lewis. What's poppin'? You don't do high fives? Only low? Come on, man. Give me a high five. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm so happy you guys are here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I almost had an incident before I came out here. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this, but I have like a little, like one of those little gold rings on top of the finger. You know what I mean? Like, that's very in right now, those little rings on top of the sausage. And I was like, let me just fuck with this, because it's the only thing that fits sometimes is jewelry. <laughs> that and perfume always fucking fits. And I was not ready for it. I was using the bathroom and almost had, and like lost two rings. You ever lose a ring on a wipe? <laughs> Look, I'm going right there, fucking first 30 seconds of the fucking show, okay? I got a lot of feelings and nowhere to put them besides my Spanx. And so I looked at that shit in the toilet and I was just like, how do I? Like, I, ha I was like, hashtag thoughts and prayers. Like, I couldn't, gold rings, man. I didn't even know what to fucking do. I will have you ever fished something out of a toilet? You dirty bitches. <laughs> Rob, I thought people would be like, nah, bitch. <laughs> like 17, yes, duh. I mean, yeah, I mean, I had a black dress on. I have a black dress on and lashes. I was like, don't fish out of the toilet. <laughs> but I almost did. So there's that. And I was just thinking like, damn, like things could go wrong so quickly. And it's just like, how do you deal with it? Damn. I was just on a Southwest airline. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> And I had the middle seat because I was slipping. And um, I, I'm too old for the fucking middle seat. My whole body's like a middle seat. You see what I'm saying? Ugh, everybody's touching my tits by accident. I'm like, yeah, oh, no. No, no, no. And this old lady was sitting next to me and she was so cute. And I just like love old black women that travel because they got stories. Yeah, and her name was like, I don't even remember. It was like Betty or some shit. And I was like, tell me everything, Betty. <laughs> and um, she was just like, you know, I really like watching TV. I do that a lot. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then after like 20 minutes of talking, she's just like, you're on my favorite show. And I was just like, what? Mess me down? Like, wait, the show. Name all the shows that are canceled. And... <laughs> She's like, no, you know what show? And I was like, really, I don't. <laughs> and she's like, living single. <laughs> this old bitch thought I was Kim Coles. <laughs> Damn. And this was like the first 20 minutes of the flight. So I didn't know what to tell her because clearly she was gonna die soon. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, yes, I am Kim Coles. <laughs> I did that shit. And then she started like throwing out episodes and shit. I was like, yep. Mm -hmm. 
She was asking me what Queen Latifah like smells like. I was like, baby powder. Like, I didn't even know what the fuck. So then like, I didn't know how to get out of the conversation. So I try to like fake sleep. But I can't fake sleep. Like my eyes just like do that REM shit. I was just like. <laughs> Plus like, I don't want to miss the fucking drink service. So when we got off the plane, she was like, can I bother you for an autograph? And I was like, I really don't do autographs. I don't think I could do that. And she's like, please, it means so much to me. I love this show. And I was like, okay. Mm. So somewhere in Indiana or Michigan, <laughs> some old black lady has my signature. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, that shit got out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Robert? Anything ever got out of hand for you? Too far, yeah. Too far? Anything yeah. go too far? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one time, uh, I was on tour with Patti LaBelle. About, uh, yeah, about almost 15 years ago. God, I want a sweet potato. Pie. And uh, <laughs> You say Patti LaBelle, I get a lady yeah. boner, I'm like, Nah, it was, it, was, it was school for real. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and it was right when that song Dilemma with Nelly and Kelly Rowland was a hit. Yeah. And so uh, she wanted to take like that intro and put it in her show right before we do Love, Need and Want. And so we would do like the whole, no matter what I do. Oh. And then she was, and we did the whole thing. I can't sing. Stop it. I'm please. sorry. Give the ladies a minute to pick their panties Stop back up. Stop it. <laughs> I got to illustrate the shit because... We get to the part where it's at the end, and she's like, oh, you know what we need? We need somebody to do the rap. <laughs> Rob, you should do the rap. What? Rob, you should do the rap. And our wardrobe Rob, at the time was a black suit with turtlenecks. <laughs> and for a whole tour, I had to be like, I met this chicken. She just moved right up the block from me, and she was the hottest Patty LaBelle went too far. Follow-up question. It was school. It was Why school. black on black? At least a I mean, white turtleneck in the with summer a rib. Too. Yeah, she in wanted, the summer? She wanted That's to, just she me. She wanted us to be uniform. For security? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Did you have to tuck the turtleneck in? That's a look. Nah, hell nah. Too far. Ooh, hashtag thoughts and prayers. <laughs> oh, one time my husband went too far. So I'm sure y'all, I don't know if y'all know, my husband's Dutch. That means he's from Holland, the Netherlands. Nobody cares. And, um... <laughs> He white. I like him. And I love him. Clap for my husband's dick. Don't. Thank you. And my dad is from Haiti and he, you know, speaks all the languages and he loves speaking French with people because he doesn't have a lot of friends that are alive. And, um... Oh, y'all didn't know people died? <laughs> so... My husband speaks a little French. Like, he can order food and be like, well, who's playing the soccer game type shit? But my dad likes to talk about philosophy and, like, the state of the world and shit like that in front. And he can't talk to me. I could barely speak English. I'm from Jersey, right? So... <laughs> so... My husband is so sweet, and he's like, I want to talk to your dad because he wants someone to talk to him. And he started texting him in French, but what he was doing was Google translating... English to French, copy and pasting that shit in a text message. And my dad was like, oh, shit. 
my dad got so excited he called him up and he was just like talking to him in French my husband's like yeah 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 <laughs> I looked at that motherfucker I was like too far <laughs> oh you went too far that's like sitcom far I was like can I talk to you in the kitchen for a minute honey <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's open concept. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. What about you? Hmm. Uh, all right, speaking of Miss Pat, speaking of Patty LaBelle. Ooh, this is a Patty LaBelle song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, long time ago, like close to 15 years ago for sure. God, I wasn't even um, born. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, she's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart of a person. Anybody that knows her would consider her like mama. You know, I don't uh, know her, and I consider her like mama. Yeah, she's she, she's uh, she's the realest, one of the realest people I've ever come across. And um, we had had this night because uh, we used to do dates, just me and her. So no band. I'm just on piano and singing background for her, and she's doing a whole show. That's so and cool. so there's some nights that we would just be up drinking, and this one night. Um, we were, uh, we were drinking and we, uh, no, but really what I think the masters really uh, respect is when someone wants to pick their brain. And so I was just asking her about her history and like places she's been and oh my God, when you did this and you used to have a fan hair and like, you know, and I, I, it was in an adorable way, you know, and I was, uh, and we sat there till like 6.30 in the morning and we had a nine o'clock call in the morning. Oh, shit. And, um, That's we, like an Ethan Hawke movie. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and so she went to her room, freshened up. I went to my room, straightened up. She was like, meet me at the bar downstairs at whatever time. It was like, it had to be 10.30 in the morning. We met downstairs at the bar and we had already been drinking, so we had a glass of wine. Patty can hang. And, um, no wonder she kicking her shoes and, off. Um, and it was it was a it was a real nice spiritual, real cool night. I I, I won't even call it spiritual. I just, you whatever it was, it was it was human. And uh, and she looked at me and she said, uh, "Are your lips are as soft as they look?" <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And in that moment, man, you know, um, we had had such a cool moment, man. And I saw the, I saw the girl in her, man. And I, I kissed Miss Pat on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> and I ain't never told that story before ever. <laughs> wow, you did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking that shit. Let's get the fucking show started. Fuck that shit. Oh my god. Ooh, so much bass. <laughs> so much Turn bass. Feel like I'm in a down. fucking carnival on Eastern Parkway. No. <laughs> so much bass. Felt that shit in my heartbeat. Wow, Rob. <laughs> You think you know somebody. Hey, I love you, Miss Pat. She's the best. Shout out to Miss Pat. Shout out to Miss Patty LaBelle. One (laughs) follow-up. Were her lips as soft as you thought? Stop it. Stop it. Come on, America wants to know. 
sabe? <laughs> oh my God, he kiss and tell, but not all the way. Look at this dude in a suit, just like, what the fuck were the lips like? <laughs> what the fuck were the lips like? Thank you, sir, wearing a suit in a fucking 95 degree weather. Where are you coming from? The bank, court, enterprise? Where are you coming from? Costco selling the good pants? Where are you coming from, honey, in a suit, looking guilty as fuck? Or innocent, or innocent. Did you just get married at the courthouse? Did you get your passport photo? What are you doing? You got a suit on, people don't even got panties on right now, it's so hot. You got a suit on, using this men's warehouse coupon. Yes, you motherfucking did, honey. Thank you for dressing up for me and my titties. The right one's bigger. Next. <laughs> Oh my God, feel sorry for my husband. So excited to bring my first guest out. Oh, I haven't had the pleasure of hanging with her, but you know those people you feel like you know through Instagram and stuff because they're just so fucking lovely. Like she's gorgeous. Like I want to take her face and spread it on bread like Nutella and eat it. That got a little dark, okay. She's a model, actress, and poet. Her new memoir, The Terrible, or in French, La Traible, <laughs> is out now. Please help me welcome Yursa Daily Ward! Hi! Hello, how are you? I'm, girl, I'm lit. Yeah? <laughs> emotionally, emotionally. Emotionally. Yes, have you okay. met Rob? Hi. Oh, we were commenting how gorgeous your voice was. Oh, look at your accent. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> Ain't nothing be that. Let's stay up to 6.30 a.m. and have a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want some Prosecco? Oh, of course, perfect. always. Oh, in, my God. In a cup as well, that's perfect. Oh, you have a tiny ring on, too. Yeah, I've got three tiny rings. Did Look. you ever lose them in the toilet? I lost, I lost one last week. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, it's like another one bites the dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So Ooh. you are... Gorgeous. Where are you from? You lived everywhere. I was looking you up. Like, I've been everywhere. London, Cape Town, Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Brooklyn's yeah. the latest. Oh, yeah? And yeah. the greatest? I'm hoping it sticks. I think it's the greatest. Yeah? I think it'll be the greatest. Yeah? Mm. Where in Brooklyn? I mean, you don't give your I'll, address. I won't give them my address. I'll say I'm, I'm maybe in the Fort Greene area. Oh, yes. I like that. I wish I could afford four green. That's just bougie. And <laughs> I love it. Once you see white people with dreads, I'm like, can't afford this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no free yoga classes if the motherfuckers got dreads. Um, I'm in bed -Stuy. I love bed -Stuy. Yeah, so do I. Come All the beautiful it. people live in bed -Stuy. I've, I've noticed. Well, let's say that. I think I'm in the wrong place. So I was reading that your family's pr like pretty religious. My grandparents are very strict Seventh-day Adventists. Ooh. That's and they're like Jamaican the... too, so it's like a double whammy. I'm Jamaican too. Are you? Pula! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> that was the saddest, <laughs> most dusty. It's like we were looking in the attic for the air horn rub. We were looking under the bed for the air horn, we couldn't find it. Looking to the big purse for the air horn. <laughs> Thank you, sir. 
I do feel like, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like having a religious family, um, you know, my mom used to straighten my hair and cover my freckles and be like, don't be loud, don't fart, don't, you know, excuse yourself if you have to burp, go in another room to fart, stuff like that. So I always had to be prim and proper, which is why by the time I was like legal drinking age, I'm like, dick, I like dick. Did any of that happen with you? <laughs> well, you know what? I was I, I was brought up with I was brought up with my grandparents who are the Seventh Day Adventists and my mom who is not. Oh, and so okay. and so I had you know I'd go to my grandma's and I would have the Bible. I'd go to my mum's. I would have the Kama Sutra. So I would be like Bible Ooh. Kama Sutra, Bible Ooh. Kama Sutra. Yeah, and I, I learned a lot. <laughs> A lot of different things <laughs> that, you know. What are uh, the things that stuck? Well, the, the positions, of course. Um, I know all of those. You know all of them? I feel like I do. Can you show me one? I, I oh my God, I can show you many. <laughs> um, and I can yes! also, yeah. I, I also know all the books of the Bible from one to 66 in chronological order. I wish the podcast was long enough. <laughs> I also read that you were living in Cape Town. I was, yeah. And then you just like wandered into a bar that was doing poetry. Yeah, I was I was drunk, which I was a lot. There was a few years where I was drunk a lot. Cheers. You don't um, have to explain cheers, it to me, honey. Uh -huh. I'm blackout drunk right now. <laughs> and yeah, I walked into this bar and was like, oh, what's what's happening here? And they were like, this is a bar where we, we speak poetry. And they were, you know, vibrant and South African and, and yes. had this gorgeous poetry. And that was what got me back into poetry after years of not, not writing a word. And that's how it all started Oh, my again. God. So how come you stopped writing for so long? I don't know. Um, you know, I... Uh, <laughs> I got too into like rock and roll and living life, drugs and sex. Yeah. Basically. I do feel like sometimes you live life or you document it, right? Yeah. Like I'll have a party and I just have like seven friends just right. with their cameras out doing Insta stories. And I'm like, if you don't stop filming me wall twerk and get over here and help me get my shoe marks off the wall. Exactly. <laughs> I really love Cape Town. I do too. South Africa is such a beautiful place. I think everywhere in Africa is such a beautiful place. And, it's, and it reminds me of Jamaica, uh, obviously on a larger scale, where um, so much history, so much terrible history, was such a beautiful place with beautiful, resilient people who feel like they're trying to do the best that they can. You know, my grandma was married to, um, uh, uh, my grandfather is from France. And so like everybody's sort of like mixed up in my family. So going to Cape Town, I was like, oh shit. You know, like interracial relationships were illegal in the 90s. Like, that's when Will Smith came out with Summertime. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that is so recent. I would have been locked up. I'm a hoe. You know what I mean? It's like 31 flavors. I want to try that shit. <laughs> this feels like more like a sad TED talk for me <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> what do you think makes a good poet? Okay, I think uh, anyone that has the desire to like speak anything succinctly and wants to speak about their emotions, right. I think that makes a good poet. And then sometimes people have things to say and they think it's like narrative prose and then they line break it a different way and then it becomes a poem. 
I don't know those things, but it sounds good. It is good. I love that you um, brought up emotions because I saw an interview with you and you said there are no new emotions, which I find yeah. really fascinating because as a comedian, people will be like, there's only seven premises. It's just your take on them. And to say like, right. that's such a profound statement. There are no new emotions. Like put it on a magnet or whatever the fuck or like put it on a box of tampons. I'm into it. <laughs> Why do people have such a hard time explaining their emotions if it's just the same ones we've always had? Because I think even though there are no new emotions, there's always, there, there are always different ways to think about those and always different circumstances. And nobody can ever speak about your experience the way you can speak about it. And there are millions and millions and millions of us. So it's always going to be different. If we all wrote a poem, it would be different. Not like snowflakes, you know? So it could, we could all write about love and every single poem, every single sentiment, every single feeling would be different. Snap, don't clap. <laughs> the New York Times has called you the bard of Instagram, which is amazing, because I had to Google what a bard was. <laughs> Not to be confused with beard. And um, I feel like Instagram is usually, for me, it feels like such a cheap place sometimes that people live yeah. in hashtags and um, like, you know, Transformation Tuesday and like food porn and like real porn and just like... You know what I mean? Look at my baby's head. You know, it was my baby's head at Disneyland. My baby's head, like, on the crib. It's just like, you know, I feel like it, um, it's sensory overload. But I feel like it's such a beautiful way you use Instagram. Did you think about it while you were doing it? Or you're just like, let's just see what happens? Let's just see what happens, it was. Because it's like, they, okay, so they say, they're, they're calling me an Instagram poet. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just a poet who puts their stuff on Instagram but people always talk about it being really shallow and really like oh people are just you know posting pictures of their faces and everything there's so many ways you can use Instagram people put poetry on it people put all kinds of things on it do people troll you I get some interesting messages I get some interesting DMs you know what's sliding up on your DM I have um I have love poems I, I have a long poem about um my skinny legs, uh, which which was interesting. Uh, all kinds of things. I actually wrote you know? a love letter to my ankles. You wrote a love I letter? I wrote a love letter to my ankles because I was just like, I feel like as women, we beat ourselves up a lot. You know, we're too fat, we're too skinny, we're too tall, we're too short, we're too loud, we're not loud enough. There's so many things that we're supposed to be and not be at the same fucking time. And I was just like, find something on your body. And Daniel Brooks actually um, from Orange is the New Black inspired me because she was doing this thing where she was journaling one day, for every day for 30 days, something she loves and doesn't love on her body. And I was like, I'll just stick to the love. <laughs> and I wrote a love letter to my ankles. That's all. <laughs> Tell me about your book. So, um, The Terrible was, uh, it's a memoir, right? But mm -hmm. I didn't expect to write a memoir. I just wrote it accidentally. There was an agent that is wonderful that I really wanted and she appeared on the scene and she was like, do you have anything like your last book? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't have anything. And oh, then, shit. yeah. And then she was like, well, let me see it. And I was like, of course. And I quickly wrote it. Oh my you know? God, I love this. Yeah. You were like Kim Coles oh, in yeah. this story. You just had to do it. You have to finesse, finesse. So what can, we, what can we learn and find and discover in this book? It is a book about like whatever, it's a gritty book. It's a bit dark, I guess. Uh, the overall message is whatever has happened has happened for a reason. You get in there, you deal with whatever has happened and you turn it into 
something gold, like something sparkling. And as much as, as, much as it goes down, it can go up. You okay. know, that's the, I think those are the laws of the, that's how the universe is. You know, everything just it just moves like that. I will. Yeah, I get it. But when you say that, I just automatically like think of my tits and they just went down. But weren't they up at one time? Never. I'm still waiting for my prime, bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> More late night whenever when we come back, everybody. Oh my goodness. Why are you so adorable? amazing <laughs> learning so much about the universe and myself and gravity <clears throat> very excited to bring my next guest out he is a motherfucking legend he's a comedian writer actor an original king of comedy and the author of how not to get shot and other advice from white people please help me welcome Dan like we just snuck into a room we ain't supposed to be in like <laughs> quiet. my mama gonna be home soon <laughs> yeah i want this to feel like a showroom for ikea <laughs> where everything had to go back tomorrow would you like a drink no nah, some prosecco no nah, no nah, I, I want some liquor but i guess oh, that... i got some liquor what you want <laughs> i got um bacardi no nah, not no nah, that's all right it's... okay I got some What are you, Bailey's? a flight attendant? What the fuck is that? <laughs> gin for your ass. <laughs> you got some peanuts over there? <laughs> I have some tequila. You want some tequila and ice? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's do that shit. It's gin. You want it? We, <laughs> fuck it, yeah, fuck it. Just, okay, uh, can... Okay, Rob... Don't give me a glass. I'll just... I'll shoot it. Oh, my God, Let yes. me pour some out for my dead homie. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't waste the mug for that. That's. <laughs> I feel like you you work so much. You've done so many things. Are you also like blackout moment where you're just like, did I do that? Yeah, yeah. You and, won a and, Peabody Award. So yeah, I did, I did win a Peabody Award. You won a Peabody? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yes, you can cover that. Yeah. You were on Dancing with the Stars? That was one of my worst moments. But you know what? I did it. Yeah. Hey, fuck y'all too. What is this all about? I don't have to be here. <laughs> I took enough abuse there. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, after, like, I, I'm, I'm an antithesis of a stereotype. I can't dance. Okay. And I have good credit. So I was, they, I was, it was, they didn't know what to do with me. But I, I don't think you should spend your life doing the things you know that you can do. I think, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you get to eat your dessert first. When you're an adult, you have to do things that challenge you. So embarrassing right. myself on national TV was how I decided to do it. Ooh. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. I, I I agree with that. Do you know? A lot of people get mad at you when they find out you can't do. What type of shit is this? I know. Like, like I, like I, did, like I did something horrible. Yeah. I know. I feel like, um, I feel like when you are a curvy woman and you can't clap your ass, right? People are like disappointed. I'm one of those people. I am. I feel. 
<laughs> I feel like it's certain shit that's just a given. You know what I mean? Just, I, don't, I can't stay here now. What? <laughs> So many questions for you, and this is a podcast, so I'll keep it short. <laughs> yeah, before I run out of gin. That's, that's, that's <laughs> like an hourglass. How would you describe your childhood in 45 seconds or less? Um, interesting. I, I, you know, I think I grew up like a lot of people did in my generation, where a father who was distant and a mother who was uh, different. And I always knew I was a different kid. I, but I used to, you know, I always felt bad for them. I, like, I, used to, I remember being a kid feeling sorry for them, even though I never got school, new school clothes and I was always oh, getting shit. my ass But that's so smart that you realize that they were human, yeah. right? They were just a man and a woman trying to do the best that they can as opposed to like, it's personal. I, I think now that I'm older, I realize that. But mm-hmm. before, I just realized I was better than them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. I thought, I'm better than this. I really did. I used to be like, like even though I, loved, I was horrible and <laughs> did bad in school and was right. dumb and... I was like, I'm, I'm better than this. I am. I used to always think that and never knew why. Because you, you got that thing, obviously. Yeah. 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 So what's the biggest realization you've had as a father now? You're better than them? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty consistent. Yeah. No! It's, uh, <laughs> the biggest realization I've ever had is my father, he's dying, right? So he's. Oh, I'm sorry. But the best uh, conversation I've ever had with him is now that he doesn't know who I am. Like, literally, the best conversation I've ever And I, I'm so much closer to my son. But I, I hope that my son feels about me the way I've always felt about my father. But I hope that I've empowered him to be able to say it. Yeah. Like, I want him to say it. I don't want him to... Yes. I don't want to be laying in bed not knowing who I am and then yeah. be able to say things. You know, I was um, going to therapy and I was talking about my dad and... Um, that my therapist is just like, just write a letter to your dad, all the stuff you want to say to him, but can't. And then I felt so bad about it. I just wrote my dad like a love letter. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> you've always been there. Like, I know that you haven't been the best husband, but you've been like, and so I don't know. I feel like, yeah, everyone has their shortcomings, but it's so important to tell somebody how you feel about them at right. least one time right. Right. while they're alive. It's, it's so funny because he, he um, like I always wanted to be close to him. He's just one of those cats. They wouldn't let that happen. But uh, he has dementia, but he always remembers me. Always out of everybody. Because he knows I was better than them. He knew it. <laughs> you were on The View this week, and you said, and I quote, the most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imagination. Right. That's some deep shit. I, that has got to be like the t-shirt of Afropunk this year. When you, when you call the police on somebody for barbecuing or they falling asleep at Yale, or it is because you have, you've conjured up this notion of who somebody is. Like, for instance, if you have a mass shooter who shoots up a school, Mm -hmm. uh, you know he has an automatic weapon. He gets arrested. But you'll shoot the black kid who you imagine has a gun. Mm. And I think that that this this idea of who we are um, frightens people. Um, And most people, you know, don't even ever meet the guy that they, well, you know, black on black crime and you know these statistics, you know Chicago. But there's this idea of us that have been around since we've existed in this country that has got a lot of us killed and had people justify it. Yeah, you can clap for that. Both you guys are raising black men. How the fuck do you do that now? Fearfully. I imagine living in a world where you, where you almost feel like, have you ever noticed every time there's a, like a shooting and he wasn't in the gang, people struggle to, to, to reconcile that? They'll yeah. always have to say, he was a good one. 
He has his whole future. Right. Um, but but it's almost like people have this notion that we're not quite what they are. Like we don't love our children as much. Like you, they're, they're, like I was having this argument, uh, you know, with Megyn Kelly, which was uh, the inspiration for this Ooh, whole book. Oh, I was gonna get to it, Megyn Kelly. But, what a fuck. <laughs> There, there's this notion, um, like I was having a conversation where she said, she said, well, not all policemen are bad. Of course they're not. Mm-hmm. But when you describe an area, when you say black on black crime, what you're saying, everybody in that area is, a, is subject to suspicion and brutality because they are the same to you. You give people one, uh, on one hand, you wipe away and don't want to castigate this group, but you'll do it to them. Um, people, black people don't live in the ghettos and the place they live because they want to. Yeah. So we're, 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 we're as trapped as, as anybody. But it's ultimately is this. If you did not feel that we were less than you, you wouldn't treat us like you did. Mm. You couldn't do that. Like this year, um, when they were trying to justify uh, putting um, those immigrant children in cages, the same scriptures they used to quote to justify putting black men and women in chains is the same scripture that they justify to put children in cages. And in California, we can't even have cage-free chickens. Literally, you have to, we cannot. We can't. You can't even treat the food you're about to consume like we do our children. You can't. Yeah. I don't like that, that phrase, black-on-black crime, either. I feel like the it's, only it's, black-on-black crime there is is if you wear the wrong black shirt with the wrong black pants. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's how, like, like if, 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 if I, when, when, that, when that cat was in, uh, in Nevada... And he was at a country concert, mm-hmm. and he shot 60 people. Yeah. They didn't call it white-on-white crime. With, and what that says is that we are inherently malicious. We're inherently criminal. And, and statistically, the crimes are committed the same. We're, we're judged harshly. Like now, you, you'll have the opiate crisis is a crisis. Mm-hmm. But the crack was an epidemic, and they needed to go to jail. Even though the book is hilarious, let me tell you that. <laughs> no, we're it's gonna- ass clapping and everything. We're going to get to the book, but I, I really want, because uh, Fox News enrages me, right, in a way that, like, road rage does, where I'm just like, my husband's like, stop throwing the remote control, it's expensive. <laughs> How do you go in the lion's den and, and spar with that ignorance? Like, how do you do it? Because I'm not a coward. Like, you ain't, you, you ain't supposed to only want to play home games. Like, you, only, if you, you ain't a champion until you can win on somebody else's floor. Okay. I'm not afraid to have my position challenged or to learn something. I don't have a vested interest in, in, in developing sick events. But, but because uh, the, it's really interesting to watch her say things like she said, Megan Kelly specifically say things like she said when she said Jesus was white. Um, even though when I grew up, I thought Jesus was white because I thought... That was the only picture available back then. Like, I was like, this is Brad Pitt from Legends of the Fall. This is- Ooh, Tristan, come through, Tristan. And even some of, the, some of the things he did, like when Jesus turned over all those the tables at that temple and didn't go to jail, I went, that's a white dude right there. <laughs> um, is it true that um, that interview you had with Megan yeah. um, inspired you to write this book? Yeah, I, I, I knew. Well, what happened was I had another book called Black Man, White House, and it was about, it was an oral um, history, an imaginary oral history of the Obama years, and I was on to talk about it, but... Uh, meanwhile, uh, Philando Castile had just been murdered. Mm-hmm. And the um, m- m- governor of Minnesota came out and said that he believed that race was involved. And uh, I go on there to talk about the book and police relations and black people. And she was, uh, she had on Mark Furman before I came on. Mark Furman 
of the OJ trial mm-hmm. who got fired from the LAPD mm-hmm. because he was so brutal and racist and a liar mm-hmm. that he lost his pension. And she was like, we're going to get to the truth. I'm like, well, this motherfucker. That's insane. He's- That's like having Tina Turner on and inviting OJ. That's it's right. like, what the fuck? It's, it's, it, and it's so, but that, from that, and he was the Fox's expert. And I'm like, I grew up in Los Angeles. When I grew up in Los Angeles, I, I told this story. I was eight years old. I had no concept of what, uh, you know, you, I was really a kid. I didn't know what life was. You know, I knew my mother and father. I knew I was better than everybody, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I got to learn how to spell peons. This has got to be something. But, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming home, and we, we had come from getting free lunches, uh, you know, at the school, and the police pull up. And I had no reason to, uh, all I knew about police was one item 12, which was, so I didn't, have any reason to fear them. And they said, come here and put your hands on the hood. And they started asking us about uh, this cat in, our, or the cat in our neighborhood. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know where he is. And then I said, officer, this car is hot. And I went to take my hands off. He said, if you take your hands off this car, I'm going to blow your head off. I'm eight years old. That, that's eight years old. Now, I, I submit that most people um, have an idea that is based on their experiences. I think that when people, when white people say, well, most policemen aren't like that. Most policemen in their neighborhoods aren't like that. Mm-hmm. But just like we get the worst food, we uh-huh. get the worst service, mm-hmm. we get the worst place to live, we get the worst cops. Right. So it's, it's, it's just when you see all these things and you know that you're better than everybody, you have to write a book about it. You have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do so. No, so that's why I wrote you the are, book. No, but the book, I think it's a gift to talk about something really tragic and make it funny, which is what you've done. But isn't that's the black experience? That's that's that's, that's, that's I mean, daily life. Yeah. Right? I can't. All right. Well, have you ever written poetry, by the way? No. Why you say it like that? We got a poet on the couch. Well, no, I, I didn't say it in, in lieu of her. Oh, I feel like yeah. I was leafing through your book, and you have it is poetic. Well, thank you. Yes, you have tables. Would you put that on Amazon review for yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some burning questions but they just asked for a friend but we know what that really means I tried tried to shake it as hard as I could I I was like get in there (laughs) it was like a bad Zumba warm up (laughs) okay now we got some questions from the audience all right, where's Micah? Yes, honey. Hi, Micah. What's your question for your friend? Um, okay, so I noticed for my friend in her work environment, she says that all the women are constantly attacking each other, but they don't realize it's the men who do half the work but are getting all of these managerial positions. But they see the women see each other as competition. Oof. So what should she do? Should she befriend the other ladies or... Should she say, forget it, and try and make her way to the top? <sighs> Shit. <laughs> God, I mean, are we at customs at the airport? We unpacking. <laughs> <laughs> what say you? So you're saying the men are making all the managerial positions. So strength comes in numbers, right? So yes, I think that she should, if she wants to, if she likes the, the, the women, the, you know, then you, you band together and you do what you need to do and then surpass that. 
Whatever that is. What say you, Dio? Nothing. You know what I think? And, and this happens. I got a lot of stuff to say. For me, you know, especially like doing like a, a stand-up show on TV. Let's say there's 13 comedians, two are female, one black, one white, right? I like to get bitches together and brunch. Yeah. Because then, you know, it's like our locker room talk. So we could share and like realize that we're going through the same shit. Then we can come up with plans together. And I feel like Prosecco makes everything better. Yeah. All right, last question. Where's Ashley? Ashley? Hi, boo. Hey, girl. Hey. Okay, I got a question for you. So my friend. Huh? She's been seeing this guy for a little while now. Okay. Um... The sex is amazing, mm-hmm. but um, it's been a couple months and she's looking for a little bit more and it's not kind of going in that direction. Okay. I need some advice or she needs, she some, needs advice. some advice. <laughs> you need some advice to give her. If I you, will say this. If you, if you got to ask where is it going, it, 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 it ain't. I, I, made, I made my husband tell me he loved me because... <laughs> Because we were long distance New York to Amsterdam, and this is like a couple months in, just flying to see each other. I was like, do you love me? And he goes, I have feelings of love towards you. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, that's not enough. Do you love me? He's like, I could. And I'm like, do you feel like you could love me now? He's like, I think it's there. And I was like, if you think it's there, just say it. Say, I love you. And he's like, I love you. (laughs) 10 years later, bitches. That sounds like extortion, right? Like that's. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you so much for doing the show. I love these two over here. What a great episode of Late Night Whatever, Robert. Fuck, Rob. What have we learned? Robert, we learned so many things. Mostly about each other. (laughs) You know, I'm 40 and I'm still learning stuff about myself. Like, I don't care if I don't know how to clap my ass. And I know that I'm not going to go in a shitty toilet to get an H&M ring. Rob. I didn't know you were so wild with the Golden Girls. But seriously, what a fucking beautiful episode. I mean, the people on this couch right now, so woke, so beautiful, so black. I really feel like these two motherfuckers on the couch, like a seven-year-old white kid will be watching them or reading their words and being like, I want to be black. I wish I could be alive 200 years from now. Just to see how confused everybody gonna be. What a wild time to be alive. What a wild season of late night whenever. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Congrats. You really are my best friend. (laughs) 
I'm there too. <laughs> you fuck. In the meantime, in between time, I'm gonna shove you toe. That's Rob Lewis, and this is. you just heard the season finale of Late Night Whenever. It has been a wild ride. I mean, Leslie Odom Jr. sang to me and I kept my panties on. Ben Sinclair played some sort of like piano situation and I wasn't even annoyed. LOL. And I got to hang out with my most favorite pair of brown titties besides my mom's, Daniel Brooks. This is like the Kwanzaa I always wanted and didn't even know. And besides all the wonderful guests I had, the audience, you guys were fan-fucking-tastic. I mean, even if I booked you guys off a of Craigslist, you couldn't have done it any better with all your asking for friends, you fucking weirdos. I love it. Let your freak flag motherfucking fly. So if you missed any of these episodes, get a picnic blanket, some rosé and hummus, and go black and listen to them all. I'll miss you so much. And I know you miss me. Come on, admit it. But you can find me on Netflix on the comedy lineup. Thank you so much, WNYC Studios, for making my plus-size podcast dreams come true. And remember, guys, don't take your dick out! Late Night Whenever is brought to you by WNYC Studios. This podcast is produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Paula Schumann, Jennifer Sendro, Daniel Guimet, Adam Teicholtz, Megan Cunane, Jamie York, and Marianne Schaubert. With Isaac Jones, Chase Colpin, Joe Plord, Sarah Sandbach, Caroline English, and Melissa Chusid. Music by Rob Lewis. Add music by Isaac Jones. whenever on Twitter so you can stay in the know on all things Late Night Whenever. Okay? And don't forget to subscribe to Late Night Whenever wherever you get your podcasts.